Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with searching for Elijah as we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 16. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now they said, hey, there are 50 of us fellows. We're strong men. And we want to go and we want to see if, if maybe the body of Elijah fell somewhere in the desert. You know, true enough, he was caught up in a whirlwind, but it may be the whirlwind just carried him off to the land of Oz. <laughs> he might be lying injured somewhere in the desert. He might have been dumped somewhere on a mountain or in some valley. Elisha says, no sense going. But they urged him until he was embarrassed about the whole thing. And he said, well, all right, if you want to go, then go. They, so they sent 50 men, and they sought for three days, but they didn't find him. And when they came again to him, for he stayed there at Jericho, they, he said to him, didn't I tell you not to go? You know, there is a lot of wasted effort just because people insist on doing something. You know, and they press and they push until you just get embarrassed about the whole thing. You say, well, okay, go ahead, but you know it's not going to accomplish anything. And the men of the city said to Elisha, you know, this is a nice city and all, but the water supply is, is bad. And it's a beautiful place, but with the water being bad, things are dying. And so he said, bring me a new cruise and put salt in it. And so he went to the spring that fed the city of Jericho, and he poured the salt in the spring, and the waters of the spring were healed. And it said, and so they are to this day. Now, of course, this was written almost a thousand years before Christ. So at that time, the springs that fed Jericho were still, you know, good. Actually, this was written a little bit later than that. And so at the time of the writing, it had been some time, they were still good. Well, hey, they are still good. I was there just not long ago and drank from the spring. And the water's still good. So God did a good job in healing the springs that feed Jericho. The water is still good. And of course, it's a very, very fruitful area. Now, as he was going up from Jericho to Bethel, there came forth, and it's translated little children, and this gives you the wrong concept. You see a bunch of little kids, you know, six, seven years old, crying, hey, you old bald head, where are you going, bald head? But the Hebrew language actually indicates more of a teenage and late teenage than just a child, a little child. These were rotten little boys in their teenages, mocking the prophet of God. And he looked back on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Now, it's hard to understand why he would do that, except that there was a great irreverence for a man of God. 
And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods. And it's interesting, there was woods in that area in those times. Today, it's extremely barren. That valley going up, man, there's nothing but rocks. And it tore 42 of them. It doesn't say that, it, that they killed them at all, but just really scratched them up. And so he went up from there to Mount Carmel. Now that's clear on over to the area of Haifa over on the coast. And from there he returned back to Samaria, uh, which is about nine miles from the Mediterranean, but about 25 miles from Mount Carmel, the area of Haifa. It's closer to part of Mount Carmel. Chapter 3, now Joram. The son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he reigned for 12 years. So Jehoram, the other son of Ahab, began now to reign while Jehoshaphat was still king of Judah. He reigned for 12 years, and he wrought evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as bad as his father, for he did remove the bell, image of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he continued in the ways of the first king of Israel, Jeroboam, and he made Israel to sin. Now at this time, Moab, the area across Jordan River, the area that is now Jordan, rebelled against Israel. They had been tributaries, and Moab had to pay 100,000 sheep and 100,000 goats a year as tribute. They had been conquered, and, and so this was the tribute that was laid upon them. 100,000 sheep, 100,000 goats with a full wool were to be turned over to the king of Israel every year. And the king of Moab rebelled against this, so Jehoram drafted all of the men of Israel, and he sent to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, asking him to go up against Moab with him in battle. And so he said, of course, I'm as you are, you know, my men with your men. And so they said, which way shall they go? And they said, let's go down through Edom. So they were going to go south and attack them at the flank, from the southern flank. The king of Edom joined with them. And so they made this journey to be south of the Dead Sea to Edom and then coming north on the other side of the Jordan River to attack Moab. And they came to a barren area, no water for them and for the cattle that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Isn't there a prophet around here that we might inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king's servants answered and said, Well, there's Elisha, the son of Shephat, which actually ministered unto Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went, and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? Why don't you go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother? Elisha really had no use for uh, the king of Israel because of the idolatry that was in the land. And he said, Nay, the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Elisha said, 
as the Lord of hosts lives, if it weren't that I respected Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I wouldn't even pay any attention to you. I wouldn't even look at you. But bring me now a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, Make a valley full of trenches. For you will not see the wind, neither will you see the rain, yet the valley will be filled with water that ye may drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites into your hand, and ye shall smite every fenced city, every choice city, and shall fell every good tree and stop all the wells of water, mar every good piece of land with stones. And so it came to pass in the morning when the meal offering was offered that, behold, there came water by the way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. Now, this does happen down there in that great rift by the Dead Sea. It can be a hot, sunny day, and suddenly you'll get torrents of water flowing down through the canyons. From the rain, that it's like out here in the desert when it rains in the mountains. You can be going through the desert, and it can be having a cloudburst up in the mountains, and these gullies just become filled with water, though it may not even be raining where you are. The gullies become just torrents, uh, rivers, and so... This did happen there. They didn't see the rain. They didn't hear the winds. Uh, and yet the, the valley was full of water that came from Edom. And now when the Moabites heard that the kings were coming to fight against them, they gathered all that were able to put on their armor, and they stood at the border, and they rose up early in the morning. And they saw this valley full of uh, water, but in the early morning sun reflecting off of it, it looked like blood. The, the early morning sun rising was a reddish uh, you know, the reddish tint that is, and as it was reflecting on the water, they said, oh, the nuts have all taken their sword against each other, and they've been fighting with each other. Let's go in and just mop them up. And so they came rushing in in a mop-up operation, and of course, all of the fellows were just waiting for them. And so the Moabites were defeated, and they went forth and uh, destroyed the cities. Now there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets who came to Elisha saying, my husband is dead and his creditors have come to take my two boys as slaves to pay for his debt. And Elisha said, what shall I do for you? What do you have in your house? She said, all I have is a pitcher of oil. He said, all right, send your sons out and let them borrow every kind of a bucket and container they can find from the neighbors. Get all of the pitchers, everything they can. Not a few, just get as many as they can. And then when you come into the house, close the door and take the pitcher of oil you have and fill all of the vessels. So she went from him and borrowed all the vessels, and she poured out, and it came to pass when all the vessels are full that she said, isn't there any more vessels? And they said, not anymore. And so the oil sort of multiplied to fill all the vessels. She came to Elisha and said, what shall I do now? And he said, sell it and pay your debts and live off the rest. Now it came to pass on a certain day that Elisha passed 
to Shunem. And there was a great woman, and she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was, as often as he passed by there, that he stopped to eat bread at her house. And she said to her husband, I perceive that this man is a prophet. Let's build him a little chamber here so that whenever he comes by, he has a place to lie down and rest, and, and we'll always have provision for him. So they made a little chamber for him there in the wall, and they put a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And so it came to pass one day as he came to the chamber and turned in there, he said to Gehazi, his servant, go call the woman to me. And so she came and he said, you know, you've been gracious to me. What do you want me to do for you? Shall I speak to the king for you? You've taken great care of me and all. I'd like to return a favor. And she said, I dwell among my own people and others. I don't have any ambitions to meet the king or the captain of the host. I mean, I, I'm very content right here. So Gehazi said, hey, look, she doesn't have any children. Her husband's an old man. And so he said, call her. And when she stood there at the door, he said, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a son about this season. Next year, about this time, you're going to be holding a little boy. And she said, oh, don't lie to me now. You know, don't build up my hopes. But yet, within a year, she was holding her own son. Now, it came to pass as the child grew up that he was out in the field with his dad. And he began to cry, Daddy, my head aches, my head aches. And so the dad ordered the servants to carry him back to his mother, and she held him until he died. And so she laid him on Elisha's bed. She shut the door, and she called her husband, and she said, send me, I pray you, one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and return home. And he said, why do you want to go to him? It's not the new moon or the Sabbath day. And she said, it's going to be well. Now, uh, it's sort of a, why do you want to go to church today? It's not Sunday kind of a thing, you know. Uh, and so she saddled the donkey and she said to the servant, drive and go forward and don't slack thy riding for me unless I tell you. And so when they came to the man of God in Mount Carmel, it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off, he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, here comes that Shunammite woman. Run now, I pray, and meet her and say unto her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, it is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hills, she caught him by the feet, and Gehazi started to push her away. But Elisha said, no, let her alone. Her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Now, this is lest, you know, the people get hold of the story of Elisha today and, and his capacities of being able to know things, people's thoughts and so forth, uh, lest they, they attribute that to some kind of 
mental capacities, mind reading or whatever. God inserted this into the story so that you would know that his was a gift of God and God could withhold that gift. And if God withheld the gift, he didn't know anything just like the rest of us. He only knew as God would reveal. And he was a little surprised that God had hid from him what was wrong with this Shunammite woman. Now, I'm surprised whenever God reveals something to me. But he was surprised that something wasn't revealed. The fact that here she's got real problems and the Lord hasn't revealed to me what it is. And so she said, did I ask you for a child? Now, you know, my heart was bound up in this child. And he said to Gehazi, quick, put on your coat and take my staff in your hand and run and lay it on the head of the child. Don't stop and talk to any men on the way, just run. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'm not going to leave you. So he arose and followed her. I, I see here a mother's love demonstrated. I see here the determination and the power of mother's love. I mean, she's not going to accept any substitutes. And don't send a servant, you know, and think you're going to get by with that. I'm not leaving you. I came for you. And, and her determination that, that Elijah, or Elisha rather, go with her. And she's, she's not about to just accept Gehazi running with his staff to put it upon her son's head. And so Gehazi ran on before them, laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. And so he came back to meet them, and he told Elisha, the child did not wake up. When Elisha was come to the house, behold, the child was dead and laying there on Elisha's bed. And he went in and he shut the door upon the two of them, and he prayed unto the Lord. And he laid upon the child, put his mouth upon his mouth, and eyes upon his eyes, hands upon his hands, stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child began to warm. And he returned and walked around in the house, and then he went back and stretched himself on the child again. And the child sneezed seven times and opened his eyes, and he called Gehazi and said, Call the, Shumna, the Shunammite. And he called her, and she was, when she was come in, he said, Take up your son. And she went in and fell at his feet, and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went up. So Elisha then came down again to Gilgal, coming south and west. And there was a dearth in the land. And the sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said, set up big boiling pot on the fire there and boil up some pottage for the sons of the prophets. And so these guys went out and gathered the wild herbs, the wild vegetables and and all the greens in the field. And some guy got hold of some wild gourds, not knowing any better, and he shred them into this great bowl of pottage that they were uh, cooking up for the prophets. So when they started to dish it out, and these guys started to eat it, oh, it was horrible. And they began to cry, there's death in the pot, you know. And, <laughs> and so uh, Elisha said, bring me some meal. And he poured the meal in, stirred it, cooked it, 
and then they poured it out again and the noxious pottage was palatable. Then there came a man from Belshalisha and he brought Elisha some bread and some ears of corn. And there were a hundred prophets there and Elisha said, ah, we're going to have a feast. And they said, you can't feed a hundred men with that little bit of bread and corn. And he said, give to the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, they shall all eat and we will have some left over. So he said it before them and they did eat according to the word of the Lord. And we are reminded of the miracles in the New Testament of Christ feeding uh, the 5,000 men besides women and children with the five loaves and two fish. That same kind of a miracle, the same type, happened here where the hundred men all ate and there was food left over from the bread and the ears of corn that this man had brought. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Kings 2-4 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May your heart be filled with His love. May you walk in the Spirit. And may you be strengthened by the work of His Holy Spirit in your inner man. May you be increased in knowledge and understanding of His Word and of His will and of His purposes for your life. And may the Lord and the blessings of the Lord be upon you while we are absent from each other until we are brought back together again to continue our fellowship and are growing together in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Hey, I want to tell you about a biblical counseling ebook by Chuck Smith. It's pretty easy to download and takes only a minute. I can't tell you how grateful I am for something like this. It's a game changer for anyone who needs to counsel or talk with someone on the spot. Like when I'm talking with my friends and a complicated issue comes up, I can do a quick search on my phone and get immediate answers that lead them to God's Word. So not only do I get Pastor Chuck's commentary, but I can find out what the Bible says about it. 
There's seriously so many helpful topics like dating or self-image, lust, waiting on God, or even what certain religions or cults mean. I could even use this when I have a question myself. To download the Biblical Counseling eBook by Chuck Smith or to preview a demo, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided. To find out more, you can call 1-800-272-9673. 1-800-272-9673.